And now would you turn with me while you remain standing in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. It's near the end of the New Testament, 2 Peter chapter 3. I'll read the entire chapter, but our focus will be verses 8 and 9. But to see those verses in context, let's... uh, Hear now the word of God, the entire chapter, 2 Peter chapter 3. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days, with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these... The world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved... What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Speak to us, we pray. Give us ears to hear. 
And we ask, Heavenly Father, that we would understand and that in understanding we may have hope and that we would heed, Lord, your word. We pray that upon hearing we may be changed and that you would draw us to yourself and sanctify us by your word and spirit. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, this is the last Sunday of 2018. Tomorrow is New Year's Eve, and then Tuesday is January 1, 2019. And if you're uh, like me, which I imagine in many ways we are alike, uh, our minds are turned to the passage of time, uh, inevitably. You know, every day, of course, the sun rises and sets, and there's a new day that goes, but we have seasons and years that pass, and we are at that point where there's a turning, there's a new year that is beginning, and that naturally causes us to think about the passage of time. And thinking about that, I thought this is a very wonderful passage then for us to consider this morning, 2 Peter chapter 3. When we look over the past year of 2018, with many things, as I had already mentioned in our pastoral prayer, congregational prayer, the blessings that we have received from God's hand. But there's also things I, I'm sure that you and I recognize in our culture and in our society uh, that are very concerning and, uh, you know, that, that are negative. And uh, we might be tempted when we look in this world to say, where is God? Has God forgotten? That's, you know, the psalmist uh, said that. Has God for, forgotten Second Peter, actually, this passage describes two kinds of people that are in that situation. Uh, one are those who scoff, the scoffers. I trust we don't have those here. But they are those who would say, nothing's changed. Everything, it's always been what it's always been. God is not involved in any, if there is a God, he's not involved in this world and in what is taking place in this world, and they're just scoffing. But then there are others who might be you, who we believe in God, we trust in God, and yet we see this world and say, Lord, where are you? What's happening in this world? Christians who have uncertainties or doubts. This is, by the way, one of the reasons that I so love the Psalms. Because the Psalms gives the Christian voice to express these things. The psalmist says, Lord, have you forgotten us? And we might... We might come to that as Christians. We, we see what's going on in the world, but our, our minds are 
clouded or veiled, and we don't see beyond that, and we wonder, Lord, where are you? What is going on? There were many in, in, in Peter's day in the early church. This is, of course, after the ascension of our Lord, and the, the church is uh, uh, growing in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and there were many who believed that the return of Jesus Christ would be in their generation, that they would see the return of Jesus, the second coming, the second advent, that they would see the return of Christ. There were many who believed that, and they were waiting, and as day after day, year after year went on, they started wondering and even doubting. And so Peter speaks to them in 2 Peter chapter 3. And then we see that today. In this world, we, we see ungodliness and we, why does God allow this, we ask? Why does God tolerate such wickedness or error? How long, O oh Lord? And when we think about these things, and particularly now at the close of the, the year, our thoughts are on the passage of time. And Peter answers those questions and helps us, I think, answer those questions when we think about the times in which we are living. And one, one way to, to, to answer that question is to view that answer from our own perspective or who we are. And Peter wants to make clear that we understand our own limitations in these matters. That we ought not to be overly curious about the times and the seasons. Now granted, we are to be concerned about the end. We ought to be concerned about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to be a people that sort of leaning forward in anticipation, waiting for the coming of our Lord. That is true. And we ought to be those who say with, with John in Revelation, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And that, that's, that should be our bent. That should be our leaning toward. But we are not to be overly curious about the particular time of when that will be. Whenever we do that, as whenever the, the, the church or, or, or leaders in the church have done that, that's actually hurt the cause of Christ and our witness to the world. There were those in history, even relatively modern history, said, Mussolini is the Antichrist. Hitler is the Antichrist. Napoleon was the Antichrist. We, all of those have been stated, has been said. 
by people in the church. They're pointing to the, the, uh, the prophecies of Scripture of the end times where there will be an antichrist. And they're saying, oh, now must be the time because Hitler is here. There have been others who have used the scriptures, or better, better to say abused the scriptures to predict specific dates of the coming of Jesus Christ. Many of you are familiar with Harold Camping, who for many years was a faithful teacher of God's word, but then went off the rails, frankly, in the latter days of his life. And thankfully he repented of that, but led many people astray in this very issue, saying that Christ would return on such and such a date. And when Christ didn't return on that date, he said, well, then it's, ah, I, mis I miscalculated here, it's this date. And then Christ didn't return on that date. And the, the witness of the church is damaged in this world. You and I, we are to expect the Lord. We are to lo long for the coming of Jesus Christ again. But do not, please, do not try to determine or to fix exactly the time of his coming. Because we do not know and cannot know. And God's word is very clear about that. Jesus told the disciples, asked that question, that Jesus said it's not for you to know the time that the Father has set. It's none of our business. And so we need to understand that. We need to understand our own limitations in that way. The Bible says it will be sudden, but unexpected, like a thief coming. It's known to no one but to God. So we need to understand our own limitations when we deal with this matter of the passage of time that there are things we do not know, cannot know, and clearly ought not to know because the Lord has not revealed that to us. Another aspect of the limitations is that we cannot, by our own nature, understand fully the mind of God. There is a great difference between God and who he is and us and who we are. We are finite. We are upon this earth. And our minds are affected by, by sin and perverted by the results of sin. And so that God says to his people in Isaiah chapter 55, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And that means that when we look in this world that, that we're living in, when we look back over 2018 and we see things in our government that we don't like, we see, thing, we, we see uh, laws that have been passed or decisions that have been made that we think are wrong or in error and all of that, and we, we, we are troubled by God's ways. What this says to us and what is right for us to learn is that the trouble there is probably with me 
and not with God. The problem isn't that God is distant. It isn't that God is uh, absent. God has his purposes. The trouble is with me and my thinking. And that takes a certain humility, doesn't it? It takes a certain humility. Lord, I don't understand what you're doing. It's hard for me to figure this out, why you have let this happen. But your ways are higher than mine. Your thoughts are higher than mine. I'm not given to understand it but I trust in you. See, that takes humility. That brings you to a place that a lot of people have difficulty getting to. Lord, I rest in you. You've got it in control. And as we come to the close of 2018, please know that. And as we begin 2019, Lord, you've got it in control. I can trust in you. So one of the things that, that Peter is doing in this passage is, is he's saying, know your own limitations. <laughs> you're, you're just a human being. You're not in control of the times and all the things. You're not in control of when it's going to take place. That's not for you to know. But the second way he, he answers these questions about the, the, the passage of time and the day of the Lord and what will happen is know who God is. So know who you are, but know who God is. And one of the things that he's teaching us is that God is above time. God is eternal. And that is, uh, well, in, in a certain sense, that's impossible for us to grasp. <laughs> we, can, we can say things about that. We could say that God is above time or God is outside of time, which is absolutely correct. That's what we're saying when he's eternal. He is outside of time. He is above time. But we can't really get it. We can't understand that. Ever since we were conceived and born, we know time. Time is what we swim in. Time is who we, you know, where we live. Time is the atmosphere uh, in which we exist. There's always been the morning and the evenings. There's always been the, the seasons turning and the years turning as long as we've been on, on this world that's all we know we have our watches or our, our cell phones that tell us exactly what time it is in a, this particular day and the date of this particular day and all of that We're, we are very much uh, in time whereas God is outside of that and we can't fathom that but the way that Peter brings this out, he is saying, for God, a, a, a thousand years is as a day, and, and a day is as a thousand years. And what he's saying is, how we think of time, God is just not even there. 
That's not the eternal being. God is eternal outside of the realm of time. And he is the creator of it. And therefore, God acts in time. He does act in time. He started the process of time, created the sun and the moon and stars for their seasons. And he continues to control that. And God is working out a definite plan and purpose in time and continues uh, to see that plan worked out and fulfilled. And when God inter, uh, intervenes into this world, it's not according to dates and to clocks and calendars. That's where we like to think that way. It's interesting, when you read Scripture, it is almost always a matter of moral conditions. Where you look at the moral condition of the world that God intervenes. So that in Genesis 6, which Peter refers to here, the, the flood in Genesis chapter 6, God's, and the Lord said, My spirit will not always strive with man because of the moral condition. In Genesis 15, For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And so God was waiting to intervene or waiting to act because he was waiting for the moral status of the Amorites. In Luke 21, Jesus is speaking about the end times and the second coming. And he speaks about until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So while God is above time, outside of time, he does work in time. And when he intervenes in time, when there is a great event, it is not according to calendars and dates, but it has much more to do with the moral state of affairs in the world. And what Peter wants to teach us is that God is righteous. He is not slack. Whatever else might be said of God, whatever else might be the explanation of the things that might trouble you, it isn't that there is some defect in God. He is not slow. He is not slack in what is happening. There's nothing unworthy in the character of God. God is not unconcerned with what is taking place or what has taken place in the world or what will take place. And we are to comfort ourselves with this knowledge. We might be called to suffer. And I think that will be happening more and more in the United States of America or the North America that Christians will be more and more called upon to suffer for their profession and be mocked. 
But God is righteous, and every ungodly person will have to answer for their every word. And those who are in Christ will hear the words, Well done, you good and faithful servant. This is as sure as you're sitting here today. It's as sure as you are sitting here this morning. God is righteous, and he has said it, so it will be. So God is eternal, but he does work in time. He is righteous. God is also patient or long-suffering. Verse 9 of chapter 3. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. There have been those who have used this passage, and there is difficulty in quite understanding what is being grasped here. Uh, what is God saying? And how does this mesh or fit in with uh, our Reformed theology of of uh, election, of God's sovereignty, of predestination. I think the first thing we need to understand is Peter here is speaking to believers. He is speaking to Christians. He says that in... in uh, 2 Peter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those, so he's saying, this, this is who I'm writing to here, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so he's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to believers. And so that's, that's helpful to understand this passage. Peter is speaking to Christians and speaks of God's long-suffering toward us, God's patience to us. But Peter's point is that at least part of the reason for the delay of, of Christ's coming, for the delay of the end, is God's patience, God's long-suffering. God takes no delight in the death of the wicked. What, what Peter is, is saying is that God is not somehow, you know, in heaven and kind of eager to pounce to finish off things. That's not, that's not God. He's not, he's not like delighting to send judgment. That's not who God is. He's patient. He's loving. And so, he, upon telling Noah to build the ark, he waited 120 years and gave people opportunity to hear the message of Noah and, and, and repent. He allowed Abraham to 
barter with him when it came to destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. He's not eager. He's not like jumping to send judgment. That's not who God is. He waited with the children of Israel even as they laughed and insulted him. But the point is that when Christ returns, there will be no excuse. There will be no excuse for those who have not believed. And God is waiting for that full number of the elect to be filled. To those who have been chosen for eternal life to believe. Well, since that is the case, and as we end this year and begin a new year, what does that mean for us, all of that? Well, the first thing it's, it says to us is believe. <laughs> that's, that's the first message that you need to hear this morning is to believe in the salvation that God has provided. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That means that you acknowledge that you need a Savior, that you acknowledge that you do sin and that you do break God's law and that you need cleansing and you need a Savior. You need to be found in His righteousness, not your own. And that you believe that you are, that you believe in Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. But verse 11 and verse 14 also bring out that we live in holiness. Holiness and godliness. In other words, that the, the salvation that we profess has a, a visible, tangible change among the people of God. That we conform into the likeness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That be holy, be godly. So believe. Be holy. But also, beware. Verse 17, Paul, uh, Peter says that there are those who are going to twist Scripture and, and change the message. Don't you listen to that. Beware of those. Be, be alert. And so we ought not to only be concerned about what's happening in the world and say, woe is me, how things are digressing in our culture in the United States of America or whatever it is. Beware that there's teachers in the church who are twisting the word of God for their own purposes. Be alert, beware, and also be growing. Be growing. You've caught what I've done there, I think. Believe, be holy, beware, and be growing. This is what God's word is teaching us. Be growing, verse 18, in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be growing. That's what we're called to. We're beginning this week, 2019, a new year ahead. In this year, we will have opportunity to gather as we have this past year here in this place to worship the Lord every Sunday morning, the Lord willing. We have opportunities to uh, 
take part in, in Bible studies, to be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what the purpose of that is. It's not just so that we can have, you know, better intellectual knowledge of what God's Word teaches, though it includes that. So we're growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that in growing we love Him more. Be growing. I think that is why we find in Hebrews that a very important statement, do not neglect the gathering together with God's people. Because when you neglect it, you're stunting your growth, but also you're hurting the fellowship, the 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 oneness of the body. You're like a coal where you should be part of a, a bunch of coals together that, that form heat and that uh, brings warmth, but you take a coal out pretty soon, that coal just gets cold and loses its heat when it's on its own. Don't neglect the gathering together. Be growing be growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we look back over 2018 and as we look ahead to 2019, let's not question God and whether he is in control or whether he cares. He most certainly does. Submit to God's wisdom and his love and his mercy and his patience and his compassion because the ways of God are certain and sure. And we can be assured of that as we begin a new year. So many things will be uncertain. We don't know what that year holds. But of this we can be certain. God is in control. God is in control. He has it in hand, and his purposes are good. Let's pray. Oh, Lord in heaven, we thank you for this message, that you are sovereign and you are uh, good. There's nothing lacking, oh, Lord, in you. And as we consider the time and the passage of time, that you have it in control. We thank you, Lord, that you are just and righteous and that you will bless for all eternity those who are in Christ Jesus. But also you will bring judgment and destruction on the ungodly because you are just and righteous in all your ways. So, Lord, help each one of us to rest in that and to trust and submit to you. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.